0: Welcome to fine is a four letter word, the podcast that empowers you to say fuck being fine. Tired of being stuck in a place where you say everything's fine, when it's really not fine at all. You're not alone. I'm your host, Lori Seitz. I've been there too. And so have my guests. Here's a secret. All it takes is a conscious decision to change and then restructure beliefs. So your actions take you in the right direction. That's where fine is a four-letter word comes in. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories from people who have transformed their lives and businesses, and practical tips and takeaways to move you from spinning in place to forward action so you can create a life of joy. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. A lot of us have a story about that time we hit rock bottom. For some of us, we find out there's yet another rock bottom when the floor bursts out from the one we're on. Then another. What happens when you're looking for the safety net like someone in a free fall and it doesn't appear? How does it feel when you have values but are physically incapable of living up to them, especially as an overachiever? Holly Bertone was raised to put the values of honesty and integrity first. When she had the chance to go partying with her friends, but she had a commitment, like a babysitting gig, her answer was obvious and did not require any thought. Her dad had a sign in his office that said, if you don't do, you don't get. And this simple mantra had a deep impact on her. In school, she did a project studying the psychology of Charles Manson and became fascinated by how the human mind works. She dreamed of working for the FBI and chasing serial killers. It took a few steps, but she got there. She became a chief of staff at the FBI. Her career and her life were going fine. But fine is a four-letter word. As an overachiever, she found out that when you raise yourself to that level, the falls that happen when events beyond your control intervene can be especially debilitating. In 2010, she was diagnosed with cancer and eventually developed Hashimoto's thyroiditis, an autoimmune disorder we've discussed on the show before. In 2017, a series of events led to her forced resignation from the FBI. She started a coaching practice, and just when she was getting traction, her divorce went into a whirlpool, and she couldn't even take on new clients. When honesty and integrity and the belief, if you don't do, you don't get, are your core principles, yet you're so mentally and physically debilitated that you can't get out of bed, that's a long, hard fall, especially for an overachiever. In a moment, when you meet Holly, you'll discover how it felt for her to be in a seemingly endless freefall, asking, what now? Discovering how to reconcile when events beyond her control conflict with her core beliefs has been a journey. And these events have required her to center herself around keeping going, never giving up, knowing her life is still a work in progress. You'll also find out how much of it can be helped by brain chemicals. Like Holly, you may reach a point where you feel you've achieved your dreams through a combination of honesty, integrity, and fortitude. Then, Life steps in and makes it physically impossible to continue. At some level, you may know you need to take a step back to evaluate where everything's headed, but too many other things keep showing up and knocking you down, and you can't even get a moment to gather yourself. So, what now? The first step is to go to zenrabbit.com right now and download the 5 Easy Ways to Start Living the Sabbatical Life Guide. Once you read it, you may see a new point of view that helps you understand and embrace things that up until now have not made sense to you. It's only seven pages, so it won't take you long to get through, and the five tactics are pretty simple. But once you follow even one of them, you're in for a profound change. When you're ready to say fuck being fine, then this guide is the place to start. It's a time to blaze a new trail and chart a new course. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today, Holly Bertone, welcome to the show. Thanks,
1: Lori, for having me on. You have been such an influential factor in my life and just fine is a four-letter word has meant so much to me. So I'm super excited to be here on the show and to chat with you and to connect
0: with your listeners. Awesome. Yeah. We, where did we reconnect? Was it in um, Sabrina's group? No, it was a podcast group on Facebook where you had posted something about being on shows and I, we've known each other for several years. I don't even remember how we originally met. And you posted something. I was like, "Wait a second! How come you haven't ever been on my show?" <laughs> and
1: I—we need to thought, fix that. And I actually thought that I had
0: been because we've. I know. So did I. So like before, yeah. Before I responded, I had to look back at past episodes, and I'm like, "Wait, has she been on?" No, she hasn't. And and you're like a a queen of gratitude as well. So yeah, we share that in common about spreading the word yes. of gratitude, and we're going to talk more about that today. But let's get first into what are the core values and beliefs that you were raised with that contributed to who you've become?
1: Oh, my goodness. Such a great question, Lori. Um, really, I think integrity, honesty, integrity can be the, the top two. You know, it was it was one of those uh, dance with the girl that brought you kind of philosophies. And uh-huh. especially as a teenager growing up, you know, I would babysit to, to, to make money. And if I got invited to a party or my friends wanted me to go somewhere, I'm like, no, I gotta babysit. And I held, I held steadfast to those commitments. So I think yeah. those are the top two. Um my mother's life mantra growing up was it builds fortitude, and we can get into that uh later in, into the podcast. That's got its whole backstory. <laughs> and then my father's mantra was if you don't go, you don't get. So I think that's just the perfect complement of, of you know, growing up and being in that place of honesty, integrity, the, the grit, the mental strength, and then just chasing after your dreams, just
0: going for it. Tell me more about that. If you don't go, you don't get. What does that mean?
1: It was a little poem that he had on his wall in his office. So You know, anytime I get a chance to visit his office at work, you know, it's like, oh, it's, you know, like when, you know, the little kid goes to the office, it's like, oh, it's grown up time and you got to be on your best behavior. and,
0: And that was in the days before bring your child to work.
1: Right, right. And it was just a story about this man taking people on a rowboat to the other side of the river. And that's all that it was. And it's basically like the more people he took over across the river, the more money he made. (laughs) If you don't go, you don't get. Okay. So it was just, it it was just a simple little story, but just something that, that carried with me my entire life. Like you, you know, and, and especially now, like I'm into, you know, a lot of the spiritual stuff and manifestation and visualizations, like you can visualize and manifest all you want. You can sit there and wish and pray and hope and do all the things, but You know, a million dollars isn't going to land on your lap. You still got to do the work to get it.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. And we talk about that on the show a lot. Yeah. And it, but it's about inspired action instead of just frantic spinning, (laughs) doing just because for being busy.
1: Absolutely. I, I, I was going to say, you call it inspired action. I call it aligned action. It is absolutely identical. It's the same thing. It's not just running around and, you know, the chicken with the head cut off, like, uh, Yeah, just kind of run around all crazy, like, ah, I'm just going to do everything. Like, no, it's the action that's aligned with your true self that creates the results.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So integrity, it builds fortitude. If you don't go, you don't get. And then what did that, so you had all of these beliefs instilled in you. And then what did that lead you to do as you were growing up or as you were a young adult, as you got to this point in life?
1: Well, it was it, – it, and it actually does connect the dots. When I was a senior in high school, and this was back in the 80s, so this was four years, I think, before Silence of the Lamb came out. And I took a psychology class, and I was absolutely thrilled and fascinated with how the mind works. Mm-hmm. And I did my kind of, you know, senior, senior high school uh, kind of thesis term paper – I did a behavioral profile of Charles Manson because oh, wow. I found, I mean, just growing up, I mean, especially in the eighties, like everything was so innocent and, you know, we weren't exposed to the things that kids are today and just not grasping how much evil is in the world. I'm like, what on earth would make someone tick like that? And it just really stuck with me. I majored in psychology and, and it really was my dream for years to work for the FBI. But I mean, a you know, small town girl and You know who am I to ever work for the FBI? And you know, crazy how how life turned out. But you know, really, just never, you know, giving up on my dreams and being able to to chase them. I ended up being the chief of staff. Um, I worked there for 13 years, which was crazy. And um, just wait, chief
0: of staff where? At the FBI. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So So okay. yeah. Yeah. So
1: the dream did come true. Um, I always, I always say, no, I, I don't always, you know, talk about the exact location, but since we're talking about it, you know, I always it's kind of say it's oh, one of those three letter federal government agencies they make TV shows about. You can fill in the blanks. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was there for 13 years and it was just such an amazing career. Uh, but everything really hit the fan. In 2017, I was going through some, some health crisis and we can get into that too later, but uh, but yeah. So it was 13 years. It was a great career and really proof that dreams do come true.
0: Hmm. Yeah. How long did it take you? So 13 years. I mean, you graduated obviously more than 13 oh, yeah, years yeah, yeah. before that. So, so were you always thinking I I want to work for the FBI, but not yet, or like did like how did that? I mean, come it was, about? It how was, did you get into doing following your dream? Yeah,
1: it was always one of those dreams, but I never really. I don't know. Like, I never pursued it at all. Like, it just, I always just thought, you know, I was living in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, and I just, it, how on earth am I ever going to get anywhere where the FBI would hire me? Like, it's its not like today. Like, we did not have the internet. We did right, not have, right. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you had no uh, physical proximity right, to it. Right, right.
1: Like, it, it was just a whole different time. So you can't just, like, you know, Google location, show up, get on, you know, a, a job board or anything like that. So, um, yeah, so I ended up, Uh, working for Booz Allen, which is a consulting firm. And then 9-11 happened, and then they asked me to get my security clearance. And then uh, one of the managers who I used to work for brought me on board. So that's how it all all happened. It was just a very – it was just a divine level of one event leading to another.
0: I think one of the key takeaways here is – that there's always a way, but it might not be the way you think it's gonna look. Like there's, and then when you want it badly enough, like there's always like some kind of backdoor entrance somehow. If you look for it, like you weren't necessarily looking for it, but it showed up for you. But I think the key takeaway is even if you can't walk in the front door, you can figure out another way in.
1: So I've got actually two sayings, two kind of phrases that I live by. Exactly. That's why we're just soul sisters, like finishing (laughs) each other's sentences. So the first one I like to say is the path is not the path, but the path is the path. Meaning we can be down a path that we're like, why am I going down this way? This doesn't make sense. And back to adversity, right? Adversity, difficult times, the, the, the crappy stuff that falls into our lap. And they're like, why did this happen to me? And we go down this path and realize, like, oh, there's a reason, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the path is not the path, but the path is always the
0: path. And I forget the other one. We can come back to that well, one. <laughs> it'll, it'll come as we continue talking. I know. Yeah, oh, it always oh, I remember,
1: does. I remember. It's the, the, the Pareto principle, the 80-20. So I like to – I'm very structured. I'm very analytical. I like to have 80% of anything in a place of structure. And then 20% leave room for magic. Okay. Because really the yeah. magic's where it happens.
0: Right. Right. But the the structure is where you feel comfortable. Like, all right, I have some control here. Yeah. Even though it's an illusion. Yeah. It feels like you have control. So that's, um yeah. And most people want to feel like they have some control. It's a sense of safety, a sense of, uh, okay, I I got this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, that was how you got in. Cool. Um, and then 2017, do you want to talk about what happened there? Because that was uh, like obvious, that was not something that you could have foreseen happening on your path.
1: Right. That was, uh, I like to tease, I was such an overachiever that I didn't hit rock bottom once or twice. I actually hit rock bottom three times because that's what overachievers do. Like we just keep going and we don't stop. And, you know, it's not yeah. until it's like the brick wall that literally takes us down.
0: Did you, did you know you were at rock bottom the first two times no. or were you just like, no, I, I don't even see rock bottom. I'm just keep going. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. So the first one was in 2000. So, so I've got this, I'm the, the chief of staff. I've got this like basically dream career. I'm racing in Xterra triathlons and mountain bike races, standing on podiums, getting a medal around my neck. I'm you know, traveling all over with my girlfriends and you know drinking margaritas and just living what I thought was the perfect life. And in 2010 was actually where it all began, and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I went through uh, surgery and then chemo and then radiation, but I never got better. I kept getting sicker and sicker, and a year later was when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is Mm. immune condition.
0: And we yeah. actually talked about that on the uh, podcast episode that published one, this week with one, Dr. Dave. Yeah,
1: I, I was going to say episode 113, Dr. Dave. I was like, there's a few differences. I was like, oh my goodness, he's like the male version of me. This is kind of crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Go on.
1: I was like, this is, this is the perfect coincidence to have me on right after him. So um, yeah, so, but, the, but the thing was that it wasn't just the autoimmune. It was the debilitating fatigue that mm. got me down. And when I when I went through cancer treatment, like, I just kept going. I didn't realize cancer is a time to stop, to rest, mm. to take care of yourself, to, you know, redefine yeah. some of these priorities, redefine the stressful, adrenaline, junky life that I was living. I mean, none of that. And right. I just kept going. I was newly married. I had a stepson, a young stepson that I was raising, and I just kept going. And then the autoimmune, I'm like, okay, I'll just take a pill and I'm fine. And I wasn't fine. Fine is a four-letter word. And I kept going, (laughs) not realizing. And the fatigue just kept getting worse and worse and worse until, I mean, I was, I would say, I I, I say all but bedridden. I mean, I Mm -hmm. I view bedridden as a very specific destination that you physically can't get up. I was at a place where I was functioning several hours just by sheer grit. And that was it. Mm -hmm. By sheer willpower was the only reason why I was functioning. Um but yeah it it got so bad uh, yeah I was actually forced to resign from my dream job and oh, wow. it was um it was as I think as dark of a place like I thought I mean cancer was huge right cancer was huge but this was I mean there was no comparison this was the worst because with cancer like I lost my hair I got lopsided was pushed into early menopause and smelled like chemo funk and you know all the things but I just kept going and I just Uh kept like I tried to keep life as normal as possible but when this happened I mean I lost my identity as a successful career woman as someone who always achieves as someone who is always successful as someone who is like that because yeah, I was forced to resign so I didn't have my job and then I could barely function as a wife and as a stepmother. So all of these identities that I had placed on myself were gone. So
0: right, you were forced to give up who you thought you were. Exactly.
1: It, you Oh my goodness, all these years I've been telling the story you you nailed it on the head better than I have ever
0: articulated. I was Cuz that's up. not truly who we are at our core. Right. But what you had accumulated all of these labels and identities. Right. And had to give up like I said, who you thought you were. Right.
1: That oh my goodness. Oh, I sit in that for a second. That's that's just juicy. Thanks, Lori. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and listen to the episode when it airs. That was really <laughs> juicy. But yeah, that was um that was a really dark place and, and I marinated in my own misery for, for months because I it was so dark. Because I felt like a failure. I just I had no purpose anymore. And I had no identity. And I'm like, I just, I'm here. I can't function. I can't get out of bed. I'm like, oh, what's the point at this point? Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, that was a really dark, dark rock bottom.
0: I hope that when you look back at that, you don't do it with a sense of shame. No,
1: no. And yeah. and here's here's the thing. And this is this is why I teach, why I coach, why I speak, why I do the things that I do, because... We all have those places. They might not be as deep. They might not be as wide, but we all have those places. They might be deeper or wider, right? Right. Um, Right. At the time, it was the absolute worst thing that I had ever gone through, even worse than cancer. Now, looking back, the path was not the path, but the path was the path. And it was a gift. Because if I hadn't gone through... All of the adversities that I have gone through, I wouldn't be where I am today. Right. And I would have a great, successful career and my life would be fine. And fine is a four-letter word.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And now I can look back and I was like, this is for a reason. Like, I hit that rock bottom for a reason. And I didn't know it. I didn't see it. But now, I mean... It's just, it's literally living the life that I knew, that I know that I'm supposed to live. Like I'm in alignment with exactly of my passion and my purpose and everything that I do.
0: That's why it's so important to, when you are in the moment, whatever the moment is, to be grateful for it. And to recognize that this is where you are right now for some reason, even if you don't know what the reason is. And I can't remember where I originally heard, but that you can only piece together the path in hindsight. Absolutely. Like how th- the pieces of the puzzle that come together to bring you to who you are now, only in hindsight. Yeah. And in 20 years from now, we will look back at the past 20 years and be able to put the puzzle pieces together. But where you are right now, I don't know where it's leading. Yeah. You know, I'm out on this, this, um, nomad life. <laughs> and I was talking to somebody last night and she's like, so how long do you think you're going to do this? How, you know, what's the end game here? What do you, where do you think you're going to end up? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just doing this for now. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. And I'm okay with that.
1: I love that.
0: Yeah. So, This is where, yeah, you brought to, but you mentioned 2017.
1: Yeah, yeah. This all happened in 2017 where I was forced to resign.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I thought, I don't know why. I thought there was something additional coming in 2017. Like that that all, that (laughs) all wasn't enough.
1: (laughs) That was was, was the big thing. But, but here's where it got really interesting is uh, this past year. So I'm coming up on a year now is when my marriage crumbled, and we got divorced. And I was able to, you know, so since then, you know, I had started, you know, building a business and coaching and doing all the things. And when I was going through my divorce, I got to look back at everything, number one, everything that I had already gone through. And to take all these great lessons but then also everything that, you know, I teach and I coach with my clients and everything to create a no-conflict divorce. Mm. And I know so many women, it's it, – it, there are so many high-conflict divorces. And, yeah. you know, it's and, – and some situations obviously can't be avoided. But when we spiral into that place of, you know – the, the blaming, the resentment, the judgment, the, the victim, the, you know, stabbing the knife, you know, like all mm-hmm. of these emotions that come up, these all these really big emotions. And we don't know where to place them. We don't know what to do with them. And I actually went, when I saw things crumbling, I went into it from that place of gratitude, from a place of looking at another adversity in my life saying okay why is this happening not in a bad way not a why right. me but right. in a what what are the lessons that i get to learn out of this who do i get to become so i actually because of my past because of my adversity because of what i've learned because of what i teach and coach when i saw this you know the situation's a situation the divorce is a divorce yeah there's still The tears, there's still the grief, there's still all of the, you know, big emotions in the processing, but it came from a place of loving compassion rather Mm -hmm. than a place of, you know, anger and resentment. And from a place of not just, you know, I get to learn all of the lessons, but who do I get to be through this? Mm -hmm. And how do I get to show up in my best self throughout this whole process? And it changed the game.
0: Absolutely. So we were talking earlier about intentional action. This is intentional, like, like I don't know what the other next word is, but being intentional about how you are approaching a situation so that you could respond to things instead of react, which is where most people come from.
1: And and Laurie, and that's really where as things were going downhill – you know your your mantra of of fine is a four letter word was in my head, and you know realizing that you know the 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 train was was heading off the cliff, right there's there's no denying that it's gonna yeah, happen, yeah. but I kept hearing you know your words and realizing like, okay, I was in you know I was in a marriage that was fine, but mm-hmm. this is this is opening the doors for something that's more for something that's bigger. And yeah. it left me with so much peace. So thank you for that gift.
0: Oh wow, my honor! I didn't even know, and I'm—I truly am honored when I hear things like that. And yeah, being again, it comes back to having faith and trust that yes, we're flying off a cliff, and some parachute is going to open somewhere. Yeah, it will. Yeah, uh, uh it's gonna feel like a free fall for a minute. And then a parachute, and then, you know, I'm not going to crash to my death at the bottom.
1: <laughs> well, and it was interesting, too, because it was, um, you know, there's a, there a phrase, um, what is it, a leap in the net will appear, yeah. right? Well, you know, my business had just started to, you know, kind of hit that trajectory when the divorce went thermonuclear. And I was like, I, again, back to integrity. I can't show up with integrity with my clients. When I'm going through this. So Mm -hmm. I didn't take on any new clients. The ones that I did have, they, you know, they, they ended their, their contract whenever it was supposed to end, but I pretty much shut down my business for four or five months Mm -hmm. because I couldn't in, in good integrity and good faith, I could not show up and serve my clients while I was going through that. You know, I yeah. needed and I needed to be focused on getting to the other side and to have that faith that, you know, the, to leap in the net will appear. Well, you know, I just kind of jump and prayed for wings because going out on my own and, you know, not having the support of a husband, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of peace around a lot of chaos. And yeah. I worked I worked hard to get to that place. And I think, had right. I not been through everything that I went through, the divorce would have looked a lot different.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, too, having been through what you had been through, you now stepping away from taking clients because you had learned the lesson of pushing through. Yes. And saw, oh, this is a time where I need to take care of me so that I don't go rock bottom again.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and yeah, I mean, was there, yeah, there was some worry. There was some, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's human nature on a scale of one to 10, though. It was probably a two or a three, like it was there. I was aware of it, but I didn't live in that fear. I didn't live in the anxiety. I didn't live in the, how am I going to support myself? I didn't live in the, you know, I just was like, okay, I've got a lot of peace and I'm going to figure it out.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. All good. Let's talk about some Gratitude, because that's your thing. Like you're always, I'm surprised you're not wearing the t-shirt today, but it is kind of, it is, it is a cold day as we're recording this, so yeah, but you have, uh, you're all about gratitude as I am, and I see you on social all the time, sharing gratitude. Yeah, and I really
1: like to say that we have been, we've been so programmed to think that gratitude is supposed to be a list of three things, or it's this just... You know, pie in the sky, puppy kisses and lollipops and, you know, all things sunshine. It it really does a disservice. You know, you'll you'll read an article and it's, oh, make a list of three things and that's it. And, you know, the experts, they walk away and you're like, okay, made a list of three things. Why am I not grateful? It doesn't work.
0: Right. Or November is gratitude month, as if there's only one time of year that we can be grateful. Right. Right. You get
1: (laughs) however many days, 30 days.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and uh, thankful, grateful blast. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's I think really we have the experts out there have really done a disservice in minimizing what gratitude can do for us and the amazing powers that it has. And the way that I like to view it in terms of, you know, looking at it, especially from, you know, looking at it from the adversity perspective and, you know, from creating your comeback story, is when you're in that dark place, the the neurons in our brain that fire together wire together. So when you're in that dark place and you're focused on the problem, that's all you can think about. Mm -hmm. and. You, it's just like on replay over and over and over and over and over and over in our brains, just on automatic replay. We ruminate about it. We talk to everyone. We get off the phone with one friend. We pick up the phone
0: and dial another friend. Yep.
1: And and we think that by replaying this story over and over and over again, that it we're going to feel better somehow.
0: And that we're working through it.
1: And that we're working through it. Yes. Bingo. But we're not. It's actually doing right. us a disservice because yeah. it's... When it's the last thing that you think about at night before you go to bed, it's imprinted into your brain. It's then the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning and then it's imprinted in your entire day and it becomes the scary monster under the bed.
0: Right. And every day is moving forward is the same as the previous days. Yes. You're not you're not changing any situation. You're living the same thing. It's like Groundhog Day.
1: Right. Only it's getting worse because those yeah. the, the myelin is just getting thicker and thicker. And right. then what happens is our, and I call it the suffer cycle, our body goes from, like we have this event, and then what happens is that our body goes into the, the. I'm sure you've heard the fight, flight, freezer, fawn. Yeah. So it starts to talk to us. Again, things I totally ignored, right? Back in the day, yeah. it starts to talk to us. We we have a shorter temper. We get angrier more often. We go right into the silent treatment we fidget, we bite our nails, we become overachievers, we numb ourselves with food, alcohol, athletics, hobbies, work. We become people pleasers. I mean all of these all of these traits that we see that we that that we have it's it's our body saying something's not quite right. Yes. But we don't know that. We've never been taught that. It's not a class that we learn in school. It's not something that we talk about over coffee with our best friend. And it just and it happens so slowly that it just kind right. of creeps up on us. And we don't know that it's there.
0: Yeah. And, and then happens, after you, when you get to 50 years old, 45, 40, 50, 55, now it's, it's accumulated. Yes. And, and then- starts showing up in physical- starts,
1: starts showing up as a disease, right. as migraines, as anxiety, depression, IBS, cancer, autoimmune yep. disease, diabetes. Yep. I mean, you name it, right? This is the, the the stress causes the inflammation, causes it. Like it's a whole I, we could talk for hours, right? I'm yes. just giving you the condensed version. Right. But this is this is this is a cycle that we don't know we're in. But mm-hmm. what happens here, because this is where it gets worse, is that when we're in this place We own it, and then it owns us. So it's my migraine. Right. And then that migraine owns you. That migraine owns your entire day. That migraine dictates what your day is going to look like. My depression, my anxiety. Right. That owns you. When you wake up and you claim your anxiety, your depression, then... It owns you. It owns your day. It is going to dictate what your day looks like.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And it's this. And again, it is It is a 1% every single day. And we don't yeah. know we're on the suffer cycle until it gets to the point where things are so bad. Again, exhibit A right here. I went right. through it all.
0: Yeah. And there were two points I wanted to take out of that. Uh, one of them was... Uh, why it's so important to have a coach. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you mentioned the 1%. It works the other way around too. Yes. 1% that's better. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's where gratitude. I, so for me, gratitude is at the top of the food chain. It could be any kind yep. of mindset modality, right? For me, it's gratitude. Yeah. And really, I think that gratitude is the easiest door opener to reverse the suffer cycle because what happens is that when gratitude shows up and I'm talking real gratitude, real gratitude that you feel, not a list of three things, not a fluffy pie in the sky. I'm talking real true gratitude. When that becomes a part of your being, it brings the happy hormone squad, the dopamine, the endorphins, the serotonin, the oxytocin, which then gives your body what it needs. So instead of numbing yourself Mm -hmm. with the, alcohol food exercise overworking even hobbies right all the things yeah the gratitude the love it's 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 self regulating itself in your body and you don't yeah. need all of the outside stuff
0: right it starts reversing yes the other stuff yes 100% and i you mentioned about feeling and that is a key point about yes. gratitude because i don't keep a gratitude journal which surprises a lot of people since I talk about it so much, I don't but either. for the reason that you're saying right it's not it's not about a list, it's about feeling yes, the gratitude, and then I get asked a lot, well, what does gratitude feel like how would you what would you say to that Because I have an answer, but what would you say?
1: Wow, I don't know if I've ever been asked that and and i and I want to get into something else, um, but let me ask answer this first. I would say peace of mind. OK. Peace of mind, knowing that I can be grateful for it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. I can be equally as grateful for the crappy things in life as I can for the beautiful things in life. Yeah. And that to me is peace of mind because it's I'm not worried about the past. I'm not worried about the future. I'm just very present in the peace. Yeah. What's your answer?
0: Joy. It feels like joy. So, because, so both of those things, peace of mind and joy, are easier emotions, I think, for people to tap into when they don't know what gratitude feels like. But going to either one of those, now you're bringing, now you're feeling gratitude. They're on the same energetic vibration.
1: Yes. Yes. And I always like, and to me, gratitude and love is the same thing. I know they're different. But to me, they're synonymous.
0: Well, energetically, again, energetic vibration, joy, yeah. gratitude, love. They're all up there at yep. the top.
1: So one more kind of brain science-y thing. Um, yeah. And again, I don't get into the super technical stuff. I am not a brain scientist. I like yeah, to tell either. stories. I like to tell stories because yeah. Yeah, if, if you want to cool. like, yeah. get into the super brain science stuff, you could have, have someone else. But, um, So I like to think of it like the the bear Attacking us, right? The bear is chasing us, so we have two employees in our brain. We actually have more, but for example, we have two employees. The one employee is your the primitive part of your brain, the reptilian part of the brain. This is your identity part of your brain, yeah, right. This is what happens unconsciously or subconsciously, and how you go about your life and make decisions. So, for example, if you do not smoke and someone offers you a cigarette. Like, you don't have to think about it. You're just like, right. no, I'm good, right? You're, yeah. you're not a smoker. It's
0: not, that's not who, it's not
1: who I am. That's not who I am. So that's employee number one. So when employee number one works and the bear is chasing you, employee number one operates from that place of the, the subconscious and the unconscious level. That employee, run, 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 like, run far, run fast, run. That's its job. Employee number two is your prefrontal cortex. This is the analytical part of the the brain, the the, the brain that, you know, is constantly overthinking. (laughs) So this employee... When the bear is chasing you, this employee is like, oh, let's make some smart goals. It's specific. Okay, there's a bear chasing me. It's measurable. I need to run half a mile away. And then it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should make a pro a, a list of pros and cons, like how I should run from the bear and which way is better and pros and cons. And then this part of the brain also wants to procrastinate. So you know what? Maybe I should go buy a pair of shoes. I should go buy a pa- new pair of running shoes, and I'm going to do that tomorrow but then it's Friday and I got the weekend. You know what? I'm just going to start running on Monday. I'll start running Monday. I'm going to start running from the bear. Above that, the point that the bear's already caught you and you're dead. <laughs> okay. Yes. So this is the two parts of our, again, there's more, but right. for, for purposes of telling a story. So when I think of gratitude and I think of the way that gratitude is taught, we are taught gratitude by the second employee, right? Like, we're going to make a list of three things. It's a list. It is a logical, a logical, yeah. you know, check, check, check. It doesn't work. Or I'm supposed to say, you know, my thankful blessings at, at the Thanksgiving table. Or I'm supposed to wear a T-shirt during the month of November. You know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. And, and it becomes something that we think about it and becomes something very cerebral and something very, you know, kind of logical and analytical. And it's a thing. It's a thing yeah. that we do. But where gratitude becomes the superpower is when it's that first employee, when it's that unconscious and subconscious that it is at the identity level. Right. And it is who you are.
0: Yes. So
1: now when that bear is chasing you, right, gratitude mm-hmm. is running the show. Gratitude's the employee. Gratitude's got that yeah. parking spot that's like employee of the month. And, yes. and that bear is chasing you and gratitude's like, it's good. We got love. We got peace. We got and it's not from a place of holly Anna, as I've been called. Yes. Yeah. Fake positivity. <laughs> it is from that place of love and joy and peace and just being centered and being aligned and knowing that it is gonna be okay.
0: Even yes. though I'm being
1: chased by the bear.
0: Yes. And I feel compelled to mention here that you can learn this. Yes. Even if you do not feel like you are naturally grateful that you, it can be learned and practiced and then it becomes second nature to you. Yes, 100%. When,
1: when my mother uh, passed away in 2019, I was already on the gratitude train in terms of learning um, the, the psychoneuroimmunology and the neuroplasticity and I was like full on like gratitude's my jam. And my mother passed away. So it was almost like the angel and the devil on my shoulder. Yeah. You should be grateful. I don't want to be grateful. You should be grateful. I don't want to be grateful. You know, like my mother uh-huh. just died. I don't want to be grateful. Yeah, but you're this whole, like, doing this whole gratitude thing. You should, you know, and it, it, it was like this, 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 the angel and the devil. And what happened was, what, what do they say? The small hinges open big doors. Right. And I remember laying in bed, just, just in epic boatloads of tears, crying in bed. And I remember thinking about, I had this little yellow mechanical pencil, you know, just like a, I don't know, 99 cents at Target. I don't know, Uh like a little yellow mechanical pencil. And I remember thinking how much I love that little yellow mechanical pencil and how grateful Mm -hmm. I was that it was my favorite pencil. Yeah. It is a stupid little pencil. Right. But it opened the door. Yeah. And it wasn't forced. It just was. Yeah. And yeah. it helped me to see beyond my grief.
0: I love it. So good. We could have this conversation all afternoon <laughs> because like you said, we are so on the same page and maybe we'll do another episode where we can dig in even more to gratitude specifically. Absolutely, yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, before we go though, what is the song you listen to when you need the extra boost of energy or maybe an extra boost of gratitude. I don't know, but yeah.
1: Do we, have time, do we have time to tell like a really quick backstory?
0: Yes. Okay. Awesome. We you don't, the, but we're going to take it anyway. Oh, you're the best.
1: <laughs> when I was going through um, cancer treatment, one of my dearest friends from childhood was also going through, uh, he had brain cancer hmm. and he ended up passing away. He ended up He got it twice and just couldn't recover. But we had been, our mothers were best friends. We had been just the best of friends from tiny up. And Heavy D and the Boys, now that we found love, what are we going to do with it, was one of those songs that we would just be driving aimlessly around. I had a little yellow Subaru. And we would just drive aimlessly around, you know, have the, the cassette tape in and just sing at the top of our lungs and just have so much fun. So... Now that's my hype song because number one, he was the one who really helped me when I was going through cancer treatment. This is when it all started. It, it, mm-hmm. it didn't have a name, it didn't have a thing. It just, we were on a mission to just send emails and put love out there to the universe. And we were like dueling banjos trying to just bring light and hope during our cancer treatment. Uh So it it has so much meaning that, number one, you know, we went through it together. He helped me to like, I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing today without him. Mm -hmm. But they also the now that we found love, what are we going to do with it is perfect because gratitude does put us into that place of love and it gives us a chance to figure out. Now that I'm here, now that I have this, like all this love and I've got this purpose, like what am I going to do with it? Where, you know, I've got this aligned self and this purpose and this passion. So what now? Like all these doors are opened up for me. What am I going to do with it? So um, I love that. Yeah. So it is not only my hype song, but it's got this just like awesome backstory.
0: I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. That's cool. And so then when people want to continue a conversation with you, where yeah. can they find you?
1: Absolutely. So the best place I like to say is when you're finished listening to this episode, whatever podcast player you're on, just head over to the Gratitude Builds Fortitude podcast and start at a most recent episode and uh you know, pick one that, that speaks to you. Uh, I did talk about divorce, episode seventy four is my divorce story. If you wanna if you're going through that and you wanna dig into that. Um, and then the other place really is Instagram. I hang out on Instagram. I yeah. I love getting into the DMs and hanging out with my people. So yeah, definitely connect with me over there. It's awesome. Holly, and I will put, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it's holly.berton, B-E-R-T-O-N-E.
0: Okay. And I will put links to that in the show notes as well. But awesome. if you don't want to go to the show notes, you can just hop over there. Yeah, awesome. And then
1: uh, you'll have a link to the website as well. And I've got yes. some some free gifts and some awesome stuff there too.
0: Cool. Thank you so much, Holly, for joining me today on Fine is a Four-Letter Word.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much, Lori, for having me.
0: The first thing that hit me during my conversation with Holly was her sharing how being an overachiever makes it that much more painful when you fall short. It was painful hearing her tell us that she had to stop taking clients because she didn't feel she could come through for them. There are so many takeaways here. I'll list just a few of the top ones. Number one, maintain persistence in pursuing your dreams. There's always a way, but it might not be the way you think it's going to look. When you want it badly enough, even if you can't walk in the front door, you can figure out another way in. Holly was pleasantly surprised at how a new requirement at her current job led to her dream job working for the FBI. Number two, approach difficult transitions with compassion. In regards to her divorce, Holly mentions how important it was to find love and compassion rather than succumbing to anger and resentment. This perspective not only helps in navigating a divorce, it also applies to any challenging situation. This is how you experience personal growth and transformation during challenging times. Number three, have faith in the unknown we talked about the metaphor of leaping off a cliff with the belief that a parachute will eventually open. It's difficult, but it's still possible. I'd even go so far to say it's imperative to embrace uncertainty and trust with confidence that things will work out, even if the path forward is not clear. Number four, find gratitude in adversity. When Holly saw things crumbling, she chose to look at the adversity in her life by asking, "Okay." Why is this happening? Not from the place of why me, but rather from the place of what are the lessons that I get to learn out of this? Who do I get to become? Number five, when you replace worry with a feeling of gratitude, it brings the happy hormone squad of dopamine, endorphins, serotonin, and oxytocin into the mix. It reprograms your brain to clear the field and helps you see life events in a new way. The most powerful computer ever invented is between your ears. Just like any other computer, programming it to run well can change everything. Thanks for listening to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow and share it with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to help others discover it too. You can find links to my socials on my website, zenrabbit.com. And before you go, take a moment to reflect on what you're grateful for today. Remember, you have the power to create a life you love, and I'm proud of you. Thanks for joining me. Take care.